job really leading us to that. And um, I do want to sh- them to come up again and just share their stories because uh, God has changed them tremendously uh, through the gospel. And I want them to come up again soon and just give their testimonies because uh, both of them have incredible stories to share. And, um, you know, they're, they're great great to uh, have in our church. 36th spiritual birthday. It's pretty awesome. It's also Heidi's sixth birthday as well. She's six years old in the faith, which is awesome. And, uh, you know, uh, every year we have a victory just being in Christ, right? Um, So today, we are going to have an interesting time together. Uh, We are doing the good news, uh, and that's our theme for the whole fall and, you know, I think that's the theme of the whole church, amen? The whole time that I live, I want to speak the good news to people. Amen. I want to be someone, a, a bringer of good news, tidings of glad and powerful uh, news that God has given us. And we hear so much, right, as they talked about fake news, bad news, uh, that we hear every single day. And, uh, you know, I... I, I I literally run on the treadmill, and I'm looking, and, you know, just all this stuff. And I'm like, can we just put on ESPN? <laughs> you know, at least I'll just see some, some people running around, you know what I mean, and doing something, you know, and maybe some highlights, and, and we can have some fun. You know, that was encouraging, but, man, I just want to stop seeing this bad news. Uh, that can happen to us, but when we come to church, we come to gain the good news, to remind ourselves of the good news. And uh, someone who needed the good news probably more than anyone else, was Nicodemus. And we're going to talk a little bit about what the Pharisees, who the Pharisees were, and what they were about, okay? And I don't know if you know much about these guys, the Pharisees. I couldn't even say it when I was first studying the Bible. You know how you're reading for the first time the Bible, and you're like, the Pharisees, you know? I didn't say Pharisees. I said the the Pharisees. I couldn't, <laughs> I, I couldn't read, you know what I mean? I had a hard time. When I was 18, now I'm so much more, uh, so good at reading and stuff. Um, but we're going to go through a little bit. Before we jump in, I'm going to play a video. We're going to play a video just to help you understand. I think this guy did a great job breaking down the historical background of the Pharisees so you better understand Nicodemus as we jump into John 3. So we are going to uh, play the video now. Hey, my name's Matt, and this is that helped people spiritually, but they were also the governing people as well. So they had the power to to really mess your life up. They had the power to uh, help hurt you financially and socially. And people were fearful of them because they had that power. And Jesus came in, and he totally turned it upside down. He was healing people on the Sabbath. He was eating... Uh, more than most spiritual people did back then. Uh, he wasn't fasting twice a week. Actually, the Bible says the only time Jesus fasted was those 40 days. You know, he probably outfasted them with that. Yeah. But after that, he ate and drank with sinners. And that even made them more upset. And he challenged them. If you ever read Matthew 23, you'd say, hey man, maybe that's the reason you got crucified. <laughs> He laid them out like I've never seen anyone lay it out before. Um, You know, if you read Matthew 23, you see how much uh, truth he was speaking about their their ministry. 
and it upset them greatly. Um, and so we're going to look at a man who was part of this ruling council. He was one of the 70 or 20 there. He was a very powerful man. And he comes to Jesus at night. You guys remember Nick at night? Remember that? This is Nick coming at night. And many people think that he did it because he didn't want to be seen. A couple uh, commentaries said, you know, he just wanted audience with Jesus and he wanted an uninterrupted time. I totally think he just didn't want to be seen. Because most of the Pharisees uh, really cared what people thought about them. So let's go to John chapter 3 and we'll read about this guy Nicodemus. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. You know, this guy, he's really building up Jesus here. Comes to him at night, and he says in a sincere way, I believe, you know, you're, you're a teacher come from God. It's obvious. You know, you did miracles, and you're teaching with authority, unlike anyone else I've seen before. And no one can deny, and this is what's amazing about the Pharisees, no, they believed he was performing miracles. They didn't think this was like David Copperfield. Obviously, how David Copperfield, he's a magician. He can't raise people from the dead. He can't make people who are mute all their life be able to speak. He can't help people who are blind all their life see again. They were seeing these miracles before them, and their hearts were so hard that they thought, he's a demon. He's a demon, and that's why he's able to do it. Because the demons, they believed, were the people that inflicted harm on people, essentially. Any affliction came from their sinful state, and the demons then opened up, right? They were opened up because of their sinful state to more affliction. Amen? Now, that's not totally true. Amen? People become blind, Jesus said, for the glory of God to be shown in their life. People have afflictions not because of their sin, right? There, there is some truth that some, some of our sins do cause afflictions, but things like that Jesus was doing was not that. And so they believed the prince of demons was Jesus. Now, you get, how, how bad can you get something wrong right there? And so Nicodemus wanted peace, and he was trying, I believe, to come and talk to Jesus, to talk to him because it, all his words burned on his heart. You know, this guy, he's, real, he's the real deal. He might be the Messiah, but he's going about it wrong. So I'm going to maybe come and counsel Jesus. I'm going to help him. As any religious person does, they think they can help someone else before they look at themselves. It's always interesting how we can do that. I'm going to help you. But then there's that plank in your eye, right? I love Jesus. He, he doesn't need to be flattered. You notice that? He didn't need Nicodemus's help. Yeah, I know I come from God. I was just there like 30 years ago. I was up in heaven with God. I know where I came from. And I know that I am a teacher who come from God. Uh, actually, I am God, but I'm not going to talk about that right now. I don't need your approval. It's interesting. And he says here, Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. Jesus knows you. He knows what's in you. He knows exactly what you're feeling right now. And back then he did too. 
And so he read Nicodemus like a book. He was like, let me just cut to the chase, Nicodemus, verse 3. Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And that's my first point. Everyone must be born again. No matter what religion you were part of, no matter how religious you are. I've known people that have gone to church literally from the first week they were born all the way to 80 years old. They've been at church, never missed a service, but truly have never heard the gospel either. Isn't that crazy? You go to more church services than most of us have been born. And we literally, that, that's such a sad thing. Everyone must be born again. Whether your dad's a preacher, your grandma's super spiritual. I always hear that from people when I study the Bible with them. Well, my grandma used to bring me to church. And I go, that's awesome, grandma. And she is a saint, they'd say. And it's like they're scratch and sniff. Like if they rub off a grandma, they, they're going to be born again. You know? I've asked people, hey, when did you become a Christian? And they'll say, I've always been a Christian all my life. When did you get saved? I've always been saved. That is not true according to the scripture. Nicodemus couldn't get, you couldn't get more religious, more by the letter of the law, actually more sincere by the letter of the law than Nicodemus. I don't think there was any more righteous people. They called Nicodemus when he became a Christian, spoiler alert, he became a Christian, that, that, he, that essentially he was, he was called Nicodemus the just, you know, and, and he was a very righteous man. And so this most righteous man who essentially was like Paul, he was a Pharisee too that became a Christian, wasn't, he actually did less sins than Paul did. We know what Paul did, right? He killed Christians in the name of helping Yahweh. Uh, that, that didn't work out for him, and he became the greatest Christian of all time too. Yeah. But we see that Nicodemus followed 613 laws flawlessly. Now, just to be honest, I can't even follow one rule flawlessly. <laughs> I'm just going to be real to you. I am not good at rules. Are you surprised by that? If you know me, you go, oh, man, there's so many things I see wrong with Glenn. You know, if I told him, it would overwhelm them. You know, the only thing I have is my faith in Jesus. If it wasn't for my faith in Jesus, I would be a, uh, I'd be really trouble. And I was trouble in school. I'd get in trouble all the time. You know, uh, I would um, just do all these things. I told you about how I used to throw gum in people's hair uh, in Spanish. I used to burp really loud in class when the teacher turned around. And I was, I'd look at everyone else like, what, dude, come on, stop doing that, you know? And I was that guy. I was the rule breaker. So I was very different from Nicodemus. Nicodemus, if he was in my class, little Nicky, he'd be sitting there with his pencil just giving the answers, being every, doing everything right. I don't know. Are you, like, are you more like me or are you more like Nicodemus? Maybe you go, you know, I'm more like Nicodemus. I follow the rules. You know, I'm, I'm pretty good at following the rules, and I'm pretty, you know, I always try to, to not offend people, and I really try to do my best. And you know what? I see everyone's always so messy around me, but I usually keep myself straight and narrow. Where are you at? Where would you consider yourself? More like Nicodemus or more like me? Well, 
The message today is for people that are more like Nicodemus. But also the message helps us who, follow, who don't follow rules well. Um, my wife's always catching me not following the rules. Glenn, you can't do that. Oh, yeah. You know, this is literally who I am. I stand before you, a, a, a rule breaker, and I try. I do try, actually. Now I'm trying to obey the laws of the land. Amen? I remember I got a speeding ticket, and I went in to beg the mercy of the court, and the judge looked at me and said, what's going on here? A speeding minister? Aren't you supposed to be an example to us all? He rebuked me right in court there, and I was like, yes, judge, I am. What were you doing? I was speeding to a Bible study that I was late to. Okay, well... You're free to go. <laughs> but tell the big man that, that I helped you out. That's me right there. A speeding minister? He tells Jesus, Jesus tells Nicodemus, you have to change, Nicodemus. You have to take all your rules, put them aside, and be different, Nicodemus. If you're going to make it to heaven, Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. There's one last rule that you haven't followed. Total trust in me. I want you to take away those laws for a second. And I'll tell you one law that will make you fulfill those laws all 613 perfectly every single time. Look to me. Trust me. And you will never be seen as a rule breaker. Nicodemus didn't know what this was about. What do you mean? I am supposed to be the leader of the kingdom of God ushering in. How can you say that I can't even see it? He's like, you can't even see it. But I'm super religious. I've gone to church or synagogue all my life. You know, the Pharisees were known for people that you could literally, um, they could see the thickness of the Torah and tell you exactly what chapter and verse was there. It's the kind of people they were. They memorized the whole Torah. Many of them could tell you the whole Torah, all five books in the Bible. Now, think about that for a second. Once you get Numbers and Leviticus, if you read that, you, I get lost in serious what's going on. You know what I mean? I'm just hoping. I love Numbers. You know, it breaks it up a little bit, you know. I'm just waiting for Phineas, you know. I'm just like, oh, come on. Let's get to Phineas. You know, and if this happens, then this happens. And if this happens, then this happens. And if somebody don't, don't boil a goat in its own mother's milk. I'm like, what? They memorized that stuff. It all pointed to Christ, amen? And it was all special and all was from God and essentially all pointed to Christ. Everyone must be born again. Let me ask you a question. Are you born again? Are you born again? How do you know if you're born again? Well, Jesus keeps on going here. Verse 4, Nicodemus asked the question, how can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. 
You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. I love Jesus. He gave him a little humble pie. Here, let me give you some humble pie, Nicodemus. He goes, you're Israel's teacher? Whoa. No one ever questioned Nicodemus. He was the man. No one ever tried to challenge him. And that's how you tell if someone really is spiritual. Can they take correction? I don't care how much of the Bible you know, but if you can't be corrected and be humble, then you don't even deserve to touch Jesus' sandals. Because the one you're following is the most humble of all. And if you're saying you're a disciple and you can't take correction, then you're not a disciple. You're not acting like one. But he's like, you're Israel's teacher? Really? You're part of the Sanhedrin? You're a, the, the member of the Jewish ruling council, and you, you're one of the best of them, Nicodemus. You're definitely one of the best of them. No way Caiaphas would have stepped foot in here. He's too much of a scaredy pants. No way any one of those people would have came in. But you came in, and you're Israel's teacher. What I have found is there are a lot of religious people that teach Sunday school, that do a lot of religious things, but they don't know the most important things. And then a guy like me, who's a mess, tries to help him. And isn't that a funny thing? Didn't Jesus say, didn't Paul say, God uses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. I'm fulfilling this scripture in your hearing. You know? It's truly how I feel sometimes. You're Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you don't understand these things? Very true, I tell you, we speak of what we know. We testify what we have seen. But still you people, he's talking about the Pharisees, do not accept our testimony. I've spoken to you of earthly things. You do not believe? How then will I believe? How, how then will I, if you believe, if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. And I'll tell you what, this, this punched me in the face today, uh, yesterday and the day before when I was preaching. These two verses punched me in the face. What I mean by punch me in the face in a good way. Like, oh my goodness. I literally just stopped typing and I just was like sitting there just... Meditating on these two verses. Verse 14 and 15. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life. We'll get to this verse, but I want you to think about this verse in the future. Just to go through this briefly is, he says in verse 5, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. What does that water mean, church? It means baptism. You know, it's funny. You ask any babe in Christ, any new person reading the Bible, what's the water mean? They always say baptism. You ask a religious guy that doesn't believe in baptism, they say, well, that's, that, the water represents the ambiotic fluid. Say what now? Ambiotic fluid? This Bible says water here. 
This is the ambiotic fluid. Well, that's what they meant, you know? The oh. water breaks. Well, then you read Acts 2, and it says, Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, you will receive the forgiveness of sins. Make no mistake, if you're not baptized, you don't enter the kingdom of God. Right. It's the easiest thing to do. I told you about my, my, um, uh, my stepmom. She's a deathly fear of going underneath the water. And so she, was, she, was, she wanted to be baptized. She was excited about being baptized. But she was deathly afraid of going in the water. Some people have those fears. And she was like, I'm ready to be baptized. But I'm so scared. And we're like, we got you. It's going to be okay. So we put her down. And she immediately, just her knee-jerk reaction, she grabs the person and tries to pull back up. It was such an intense baptism. And you could tell the woman was like, oh, I'm sorry. Got to put the whole thing into water. And if you were seeing it right in the second, is she getting drowned? You know what I mean? But it is usually the easiest thing to do. It's when you're ready to be born again. When you're ready to entrust your entire life to Jesus. What does it mean to be born again? You live a new life. What if you knew everything you knew, but you could start again? Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't you do things differently? Wouldn't you live differently? Well, we all have that second chance to do things differently and to live with a knowledge of understanding. And that's what God offers us through Jesus. And then somehow the Spirit does the work. I don't know why, but when you go underneath that water, God's Holy Spirit changes you. You die, resurrect, and are buried all at the same time. And you become a new spiritual being. An immortal being. You have the seed within you that will make you an immortal being. Amazing. He said, flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to spirit. And Nicodemus doesn't understand this. You know what? I wouldn't have understood it either. This is the first time he's hearing it. And it's so cool. John 3 comes from a religious guy. Isn't that awesome? The John 3 that we know and love comes from a religious guy who is kind of skeptical, but something made him go to Jesus at night. Pretty awesome. He says, you're Israel's teacher. You know, we never can stop learning. If someone came on the street to me today and said, Glenn, you're doing things wrong. Can we sit down and get a cup of coffee? You're teaching people. You're Israel's teacher. I need to teach you something. I'd say, when are we getting together? Because if I'm teaching someone, I'm more responsible. So as all of us, we need to realize that, that it's not about being right. It's about being right with God. You know, I, I didn't have a hard time believing I was wrong. So, Glenn, do you realize that the way you were thinking about this was wrong? You know, studying the Bible, I'm like, no, not at all. I'm most of the time wrong. It was easy for me, but other people, they don't like to be wrong. What do you mean? I've tried so hard. I've been by the left. No, I'm not wrong. No way. And they refused to believe. Right. Nicodemus was still thinking about it. He said, I just came from heaven. Verse 13 is powerful. No one has ever gone into heaven. You know how people say, oh, yeah, Biggie Smalls is up in heaven. <laughs> Praise God for, for the grace of God. But I don't know if that's true. I hope it's true. It'd be great. But no one's in heaven, actually. The Bible says. No one is in heaven. 
What do you mean? Oh, he's looking down on me from heaven. No, he's not. He's actually not looking at you at all from heaven. He's asleep in paradise, which is the waiting room for heaven. Amen? Blowing your minds right now, right? No one's going except Jesus came from heaven. He was the only one that came from heaven. The angels too. He came from heaven. He's like, no one's ever gone into heaven except the Son of Man. And I just came from there. So I know what the heavenly things are, Nicodemus. And now let me teach you. And this is one of the most greatest heavenly things that the prophets long to, that the angels don't understand. It's verse 14 through 15. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. And then John goes on and commentates, the writer of this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Let's stop right there. So what's up with the snake, the bronze snake? Can I get an amen? The first time you read this, you're like, the bronze snake? What's up with this? Well, let's go there real quick. Um, Numbers 21.4, you can write this down. This is a crazy story. This is my rule of reading the Bible. If you go, say what now? In the Old Testament, it's talking about Jesus. And this is one of those say what now? Because God said, don't make anything... Don't cast anything that looks like an image because you will worship it. He said that. Don't make anything. I don't want you to make a snake. I don't want you to make a lion. That's why the golden calf was so messed up. He said, don't make anything, cast of anything, so you'll worship it. They're like, okay. And then they made the golden calf. And they're dancing around, worshiping it. You know what I mean? Hey, 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 hey. You know, you hear what I said? They were rule breakers too, right? You know, he'd be like, well, what do you mean? I love Aaron. He goes, you know, they just they gave me these earrings, and next thing you know, boom, out came a golden calf. I, I would have loved if, if it says, and at that time, Moses beat Aaron to a pulp. I would have loved that, you know what I mean? Just because they're brothers, you know, so you can do that, you know. What are you doing? You know, just give it to them. Obviously, it was worse than that, unfortunately, for the other people. But this is one of these days where they, the Israelites, sinned. And it says, then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people. And many Israelites died. Listen, God did that? What? Why did God do that? Because they were grumbling and complaining about food. This quail, I'm sick of quail. Can we have some steak? We should go back to Egypt. I mean, they were moaning, complaining. So God said, okay, venomous snakes among them. They bit the people, and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, we have sinned. This woke them up, right? Sometimes God sends, allows, challenging things to happen to wake us up. He says, we have sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take away the snakes from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, make a snake, put it on a pole, and anyone who's bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake, put it on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by the snake and looked at it, looked at the bronze snake, they lived. 
What a weird story. That's not the first thing I would do if I was bitten by a snake. First I'd be like, oh my God, I'm a snake! I'd probably do that first. But then it says, bring me to the emergency room. I need anti-venom. No, 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 just look at that bronze snake on the pole. They looked at it and then they were healed. What a miraculous thing that was. What was that about? What was God planning? Well, God was planning that that same, look at this, that same snake would be Jesus Christ. And that just by looking at it, you'd be saved. Just by trusting it, you'd be saved. This is deep. Sin bit us. When we first sinned, it bit us, and it was only a matter of time. Venom takes time to go through your whole body. And then once it does, your nervous system usually shuts down, and you die. And that's what sin does. It's only a matter of time until sin kills every person in the world. Isn't that intense? The venom is incurable. You cannot cure it. There's only one cure. It's to look at the bronze snake. It's to look at the bronze snake. It's to look at Jesus, who became the snake, who became, who took the venom for us on the cross. Took all the venom, guys. All the venom that you'd ever commit and all the, ven- all the venom of everyone's sins. He took on took in his body on the tree. What an amazing Jesus we have. Amen. You know, you see the Tarzan stuff where they, they suck out the venom, right? And they spit it out. That's not true at all. You know, that's just going to only kill the dude who sucked the venom, you know what I mean? But they suck it out. You know, Jesus took out the venom, took out the sin that was going to kill us. Just by us looking at him. One look. One look. One trusting look. And the sin was gone. This is what he was teaching this Nicodemus. Nicodemus, you, even you have been bitten by the snake. Even you. You cannot. Everyone in sin falls short of the glory of God. Even you need Jesus. I want to play one more video that really illustrates this in a great way. It's one of my favorite videos, and I really want you to to contemplate and meditate on this because our world believes that you have to be a good person to make it to heaven. That's what we believe as a people. You have to be a good person. Amen? You ask 10 people on the street here, how do you get to heaven? Well, you just try to be the goodest person you can be. And you think you'll go. Well, I'm not as bad as that guy or that guy or that guy, so you know what? I think I'm good. I think I'm going there. You know, I, I, I helped the, the soup kitchen the other day. It's awesome. You know, when you point at someone else, three fingers point back at you. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. I point at myself, three fingers point back at you. You know, but, you know, it's like, it's like you know, that, that's, that's interesting, right? You, you first point at yourself and you'll have more impact. First, first think about yourself and then you'll have more impact. But this is a great, funny analogy that I think will help us as we come in for a landing to understand the gospel in a great way. 
more about sin. And you even are more in touch with how much of a sinner you are. But we can beat ourselves up, can't we? All it takes is a look. What happened to this guy Nicodemus? You know, the Bible says, For God so loved the world, verse 16, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Let's read that again. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. I don't care how much sin you've done. If, you're, if you've got a big red, full of red, whoever believes is not condemned. Man, that's the good news. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light is coming into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Whatever lives by the truth comes in the light so they may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Guys, we just need to look to the cross. Look to the cross. That's the only thing that takes the venom out of us. You know, it's powerful to think about the fact that it's only because of the cross that I am saved. It's only because of that act. I can be the best person I can be, but I still fall miserably short. Do you still have the venom in you? If you don't say, you know, no, right away, I'd encourage you to get with someone and make sure. If, if Nicodemus didn't understand these things and he was very religious, why do we think we understand these things without some teaching? Well, you don't understand. I'm a really bad guy. There's a lot I have to change. You know, if we did the sin study, it would take like four days. You know, you think Jesus can't take that? He can. You notice how he had all those, all those files? How easy was it for him to just toss it? Did he hold on to it? No, he tossed it. Looked like that was going to be shredded pretty soon, too. Doesn't look like file keeping is what Jesus does. So what happened to this man? He was shocked. He was moved. He was stunned. This religious man realized, I'm not born again. I am not God's people. I am Israel's teacher, but I am lost. And he kept following Jesus. Let's read in chapter 7, verse 45. We've got to read about what happened to this guy. John chapter 7, verse 45. Can you, oops, can you go to the next one? Yeah. Second very quick point, everyone who is born again must stick out their necks for Jesus. This is one of, this is the thing my dad would say. This is how my dad talks. He's from New York. He's from Queens. You've got to stick out your neck for your friends. That's what he says. His business is called Pain in the Neck Jobs. Ruzi, Pain in the Neck Jobs down in Florida. But you know, he likes to say Pain in the Neck, but you've got to stick out your neck. For Jesus, And this is what Nicodemus began to do. If, if Jesus saves you, you got to stick your neck out for him. Amen? Amen? And this is what Nicodemus did for Jesus. A little at a time. Chapter 7, verse 45 says, Finally the temple guards went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees who asked them, Why didn't you bring him in? And, and the guards were supposed to 
arrest Jesus and bring him back. I love what they say in verse 46. No one ever spoke the way this man does, the guards replied. You mean he deceived you also? The Pharisee retorted. Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? No. But this mob that knows nothing of the law, there's a curse on them all. Nicodemus is like, well, uh, I kind of believe. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus er earlier, and who was one of their own number, asked, does our law condemn a man without hearing him to find out what he was doing? They replied, are you from Galilee too? Look into it, and you will find a prophet does not come out of Galilee. These guys were so wrong. Jesus was born in Bethlehem, just like the scripture said, but he, he went into Galilee. You know why? Because Galilee wasn't the most prominent place to be. He didn't want religious people. He wanted unreligious people. Just what? Of any of the apostles, other than Paul, was any of them religious? You got a tax collector and fishermen and zealots. You see that if you're religious, you can't be used by God as much as when you're a disciple. People say, I'm not that religious. I say, I'm not religious either because the religious people can't be used by God as much as the sinners. I'm always going to be a sinner. I'm always going to be somebody who needs a lot of help. Because he who has been forgiven much, loves much. And the key to helping people is loving them much. Let's, let's see what he, happens to this guy, Nicodemus. John uh, 19. Let's go there. Jesus dies on the cross. And this is crazy. Jesus dies on the cross. He fulfilled what he was saying. I think Nicodemus started getting it. He's a smart guy. Look, he's on the cross, just like the bronze snake. Oh, my goodness. That's what he was talking about. And if you actually look at the cross and the bronze snake, it almost looks like a cross. Wow. God was planning this the whole time for our sake. John 19, verse 38. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's submission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who had early had visited him at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 70 pounds. This is very expensive, guys. Taking Jesus' body, two of them wrapped it, spices and the spirits in the strips of linen. This was the accordance with the Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby... They lead Jesus there. He became ceremonial unclean because he did this. He could not celebrate the full Passover meal because he was unclean. He made himself unclean to, to wash Jesus. Jesus had a dead body. And he made himself, he put his neck out time and time again for Jesus. Because he got up on that pole, amen? amen. And took the venom from his veins. It's amazing to think about this, what it means to bury someone. It's an incredible honor to bury someone. It, it's some of the closest people in your life are the ones who are supposed to bury them. And Nicodemus and Joseph said, we're with Jesus. Yes, this is controversial, but we're with Jesus. And I'm not going to be a part of this anymore. The spices cost many, 
many talents. To um, and that's that's like bags of gold essentially. He used his wealth. Nicodemus was extremely wealthy, but it didn't stop there. Amen. Tradition says that after the resurrection, Nicodemus became a professed disciple of Christ and received baptism from Peter and John. So when John was talking about him, he baptized Nicodemus. The Jews then stripped him of his office, beat him, and drove him from Jerusalem. Um, His kinsmen, they say, this is tradition says, Gamaliel, received and sheltered him in his country house till death, where he was martyred. And finally was given an honorable burial near the body of St. Stephen. This is tradition, right? We don't know if this is true. But wouldn't it be cool if it was? And most tradition, there's some truth to it. He was identified in the Talmud as Nicodemus, but his name was Bunny, actually. Bunny. They called him Nicodemus. That was his, his spiritual name. But his friends called him Bunny. <laughs> Do you know Nicodemus' his name was Bunny? I would have kept Nicodemus, right? Because he was stripped of everything, he lived his life preaching God's word. And reduced, he was, the, the Talmud said, was one of the most wealthy men in all um, Jerusalem. And they said that he, his wealth could feed the whole city for 10 years. He lost all of it because of that look on, to, that, to that Christ on, on the pole. He gave all of it up. He stuck out his neck for Jesus. To him, following Jesus, this good news moved him to do so many things. Tradition says that his family was reduced from, from great wealth to such horrible poverty that the bridal bed of his daughter was covered with 12,000 denarii, which is uh, subsequently seen as endeavoring to support life by picking the grains from the ordorn of cattle in the streets. Isn't that crazy? They were seriously poor. They went from wealth to poverty. You know, someone once said the measure of a man should not be taken should not be taken when he enters the door but rather when he leaves you know I love this and I want to end with this the good news is you have a chance when you leave and I don't believe this is like an actual house right but it's, it's funny how Nicodemus came to Jesus at night and he came in kind of skeptical but he came out in life a great man of God, the greatest man, a true teacher of Israel, amen, because he showed him by his example how to live. He stuck his neck out for Jesus. You know, you might have entered the room in your life. You might feel like, I'm a mess. I need help. I have so many questions. Here's one question. Can you get yourself to heaven? If you can't, you got to look on to the snake on that pole. That bronze snake is Jesus Christ. You need to look to to the Savior of the world and stop making it complicated. Because Nicodemus loved to make, Pharisees loved to make things complicated. Religious people like to make things complicated. Don't make it complicated. Just be born again. 
And if you are a disciple of Jesus, are you sticking your neck out for Jesus? Are you sticking your neck out? Is it uncomfortable to be a follower of Jesus? The truth is it's a little uncomfortable. But compared to what he did on the cross, (laughs) it means nothing. You know, as we end, I want you to think about Nicodemus. One of the most religious, flawless people in all the Bible was not born again without Jesus. For God so loved this world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes, whoever looks, gives that trusting look, shall not perish, but have eternal life. Amen. Amen. Amen.